What's up, everybody? You are about to listen to a free 15-minute preview of this week's bonus podcast, Top Rope Nation Extra. Did you know that we do two podcasts per week? That's right. You get our normal flagship podcast every single Friday morning, but we're doing a second show for Patreon supporters. The only way to hear these shows each and every week in full is by becoming a supporter of ours on Patreon. The link is right here in the podcast description. These are real, loose, free-flowing shows that we have a lot of fun with each and every week. And like I said, the only way you can hear it is by supporting us on Patreon. So if you enjoy the normal, free, weekly show we have been doing since 2016, you're going to love Top Rope Nation Extra. Take a listen here to the free teaser. And if you like what you hear and you want to hear the full show and hear this thing every single week, sign up to support us on Patreon. Click the link in the podcast description when you get to the end of this broadcast. everybody what is up it is top rope nation extra a very special edition here on this wednesday february 16th 2022 i am kyle ross and joining me today our very special guest my good buddy and yours he's playing hurt on the other side of the pond i was sick earlier in the week he still is sick so there must be something in the atlantic ocean today uh, or at least over the last week, Mr. Liam O'Rourke joins me on the program. Liam, how the hell are you doing? Well, Kyle, I've been better, but I would drag myself over a mile of broken glass to get on the end of the telephone to talk about the world of wrestling with your good self and to join the fans here on a Top of Nation Extra. Yeah. I'm thrilled, man. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's funny just to peel back the curtain, as most of our patrons know. This was originally just supposed to be a good old little wrestling show where we were going to talk about the history of the <laughs> Elimination Chamber, uh, because that show, of course, emanates from the wonderful kingdom of Saudi Arabia this Saturday, uh, available exclusively on The Cock, or as you know it, Liam, the WWE Network. Indeed. But a little sports entertainment got in the way. Of our wrestling program, didn't it, yesterday, as the news dropped that Cody Rhodes would be leaving AEW and presumably is headed to the WWE. And it would be uh, quite distasteful of us to ignore this news and not touch on it. I know you have thoughts on it. I certainly have thoughts. So what do you say before we get into the Elimination Chamber uh, discussion, the history of that event? And the ma- I should say the match itself. We talk about Mr. Cody Rhodes. Shall we do it's that? The, it's the only appropriate thing to do because after what should have been an enormous story in the morning on Tuesday morning, the return of Steve Austin to the ring after 19 years ended up only being the big story for about 30 minutes in, in, in my neck of the woods with Co- the, the Cody Rhodes story. So it's what everybody's talking about. It makes all the sense in the world to hit that first. Yeah. And, you know, I saw that uh, there was a lot of reaction. Ryan had a great tweet. Uh, from the Top Rope Nation account. It was like a picture of Austin at uh, one of the Slammy Awards looking all like uh, pissed off, you know, and it was about, oh, you know, <laughs> Steve Austin, the look on his face when Cody Rhodes steals his thunder 24 hours later. <laughs> Got a lot of reaction. That was funny to see. So I want to break this Cody discussion down into a couple parts. Number one, 
or a few parts, not a couple. Meltzer, Dave, as you know, uh, talked about in his report yesterday afternoon that Tony Khan did not pick up Cody's option. Yes. That, that Cody wasn't necessarily a free agent per se. Let This is very interesting to me because it makes me think it was more than just about money. I think that's the gut feeling. Uh, when a story like this breaks, and especially with the lay of the land, everybody knows Vince McMahon's hiring practices – in the toughest of times, if he sees value somewhere, he's gonna he's gonna throw, he's gonna back up the Brinks truck. He, he's done it for years and years. Uh, the, the option aspect of this is huge. For those who don't know about the the options and contracts, when when AEW started, there were a lot of people who were given the three year deals. The top guys, the O'Kenny, the Burks, Jericho, Cody, three year deals that had either a one or two year option. Kenny and the Bucks was the, the option was picked up. Jericho, as Meltzer mentioned today. On, a, on an Observer Radio show with Gary Gonzalez, good friend of the show, mm-hmm. um, that Jericho's was actually picked up the previous year, like in 2020. They, 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 they jumped on that one and exercised it straight away. So the fact that Cody's was left, that, I mean, I mean, no reporting so far, even though there's been a lot of people that have thrown out speculation at the wall, it feels like nothing has a concrete, this is what happened, blow by blow, story yet. We might not get that for a while. Maybe we never will. In time, we likely will. But when it comes to the option not being picked up, it makes you question where things were sitting from Tony Khan's perspective, not picking it up. Was it a deal where he didn't want to? Because I think that the, the other thing, too, that's key with these options is that with the options comes a pay rise. The, the, the ability to exercise the option means that the salary goes up. Is there something to that about the salary going up and Tony not wanting to pay that much money? Was there something about the way the contract was structured that Tony wanted to change? Because the fact they were negotiating indicates that he didn't want to write him off necessarily. He just wanted to let that option expire so that they could renegotiate. Which begs the question, Tony Khan didn't exercise the option. Did Cody want the option exercised or did he talk a good game and, and get to a situation where we'll renegotiate the contract. We won't pick up the option. We'll figure out something else. And of course, then, then, then Vince comes calling. Okay. That's one way that it could have gone. The other way. And what I was thinking, because it is fascinating that you're right. He was the one option that hadn't been picked up yet, yeah. but I look at the current state or not the current state, but the end state of Cody at AEW. And how he was becoming rather problematic on screen, his character. Everything else in the promotion essentially lined up with how the fans viewed it, except him and Brandy. Yeah. And you talk about the pay raise that comes with an option. And we know Cody wanted to be paid on a similar level as the folks who had been brought in recently, specifically CM Punk. Do you think that Cody's unwillingness to turn heel made him to Tony Khan be like, you know, I don't want to pay this guy more money if he's going to be a problem on my show? I think it's completely conceivable. When you look at the value that Cody brought to the table when AEW began, 
And then you look at the way he is now. And again, the reason why I do think that the way this has gone is this is probably a Tony Khan decision not to pick up the option. The only reason I was theorizing the Cody thing was because if he felt like he had some kind of additional leverage that he didn't have before with the Go Big show and the reality show and being more linked in with Warner um, and all that and, and, and yeah, the, the Turner stations, maybe it, it, it's that way. But from Tony Khan's perspective, you absolutely can see why. If I'm thinking, if I'm going to have Cody Rhodes for two more years, what am I getting if I pay this this seven-figure deal? What am I going to get that's going to add to the show? And if the thing that he's going to get added to the show is a guy who does not want to turn, despite the fact the audience wants him to, I mean, that's that that does. I mean, that does. That, that, that poses a horrible problem for any booker. And so much of this is because Cody put himself in this position. And that's a, a, a kind of a key part of this, too. He was essentially fucked as a character. And I like him. I've been a defender of Cody's for a long time, but it felt very clear in the last few months that he had no idea how to dig himself out of this hole that he's gotten into. You know, a crowd that refuses to cheer him, but he refuses to go heel. An audience that didn't want Brandy really on TV, but you have that personal need as a husband, obviously, for her to be involved. He wants to be a top star. He's always wanted to be a superstar. And you know, he's always had that kind of romantic thing about being a top guy and, and, and a superstar. But at the same time, was self-conscious about the optics of booking himself in that role takes himself out the title picture, finds himself in this kind of weird no man's land that he can't escape from. And it, it was affecting everything that he was doing because you try and build up a heel against Cody Rhodes and, you know, Malachi Black got cheered. You know, Andrade got cheered. Any any heel you put against him is going to get cheered. You essentially have to have him working against baby faces for it to even seem remotely effective. But at the same time, Cody's trying to play baby face half the time as well. It's it's a real messed up dynamic. And, 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 I can see from Tony Khan's perspective, look, man, we got to make a call here on what we're going to do for the next two years. Yeah, and you talk about from the booker's perspective. You know me. I'm always trying to, like, fantasy book this stuff moving forward. And when I look at AEW moving through 2022 and I try to guess where they're going, Cody always felt like the albatross, particularly if he wasn't going heel. There was clearly – a great path for him to go heel. And for the record, okay, Kenny turned heel. The Bucks turned heel. Yeah. Ryan Danielson, who's a much better babyface than Cody Rhodes, has already turned heel. They were talking about turning Moxley heel before he went to rehab. Now it would yeah. be foolish because he's got far too much sentiment build up with the fan base. And I actually don't think turning him heel was a great idea anyway. Uh, Jericho was a heel initially. Yeah. CM Punk, we all talk about down the line, there may be a time when he turns heel. I just don't know who Cody Rhodes is to think that he shouldn't turn heel. There are people who are going to say, you know, you brought up being linked with Warner and the two shows on the network. I defy anyone listening to this show. I'll give you one year, one whole year. Find (laughs) me five people who would watch Rhodes to the top or go big show that would stop watching if Cody Rhodes is a heel five people. (laughs) I'll give you a year, zero chance that happens. Here's the comparison. The Miz has a reality show on USA. What side of the babyface heel ledger is he on Liam? He's a very clear cut heel. So it doesn't matter. I don't want to hear that argument that he has to say babyface for those two shows who in God's name first of all, would watch the Go Big Show, but secondly, would stop <laughs> watching it when the wrestler is a heel now. 
yeah I, I i don't see that as an obstacle or an obstruction for anybody who wants to you know get more out of the cody Rhodes experience you know what i mean it's funny because like of all people i found a couple of good quotes that kind of sum up i think cody's attitude towards this whole thing of all people glenn gilberti not somebody whose opinions i generally oh, find interesting kyana i'm sure you don't either i'm gonna <laughs> okay. tread carefully here okay i'm gonna tell you right now it's the fever it's the fever <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to do a timestamp right now, and I may tell Ryan Drosty, delete at whatever time this is. Hold on, yeah. go ahead with Glenn Gilberti? It wasn't even so much something interesting he gleaned, more just the observation that prompted a response from Cody. Glenn Gilberti asked, when Cody was doing the, uh, the, the open challenge for the TNT title, he asked if Cody was a heel, because you had a lot of guys coming in, some were baby faces, and the idea was you wanted to see them beat Cody or whatever. And Cody, in response to whether he's a face or heel, said, quote, I'm neither. I'm a competitor and a reigning champion. Tired old tropes are even more insulting to the viewer, considering I've been on their TV since I was 20. It ain't black and white. It hasn't been that way in forever. Circumstances of the match dictate who we cheer for. Beautiful thing. I, 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 hate, I hate that mentality. I'm not sure where this has ever worked. The attitude here where a lot of people were pointed was not black and white, not for the things that were money. And if they were, they were isolated incidents. If you send mixed messages to your audience, you can't be surprised at a mixed response. And and that's the way it is. Sometimes Cody did things that were borderline heelish. Brandy absolutely did things that were, were actually designed to be heelish with the Nightmare Collective and some of the obnoxious stuff she was doing with the, hey. you know, with the little Brandy doll and all that stuff. And how about the last time she was on television when she insulted buried the town. She, Yeah, she buried the town. And then was like standing there, couldn't believe she would get booed against Dan Lambert. Yeah, and it's, this is that thing of like, they they don't know that they think they can do anything, but they can't. There's a reason the tropes are in place when it comes to the face heel divide because the biggest irony of all is that he was hot as a baby face when he was pushed the hardest, which was when he was challenging Jericho for the title. Yes, so late, the, uh, late 2019, early 2020 is when Cody was at his best. And yeah, then he got absolutely. That, then he got that neck tattoo yeah well yeah so so that's the deal though it's like if the argument against cody was that he was pushing himself too hard i never really bought that as the reason why but there are these just these seeds that were planted forever they germinated my own personal theory is that this took a turn for the worst when the qt marshall feud started even before the agogo match because the idea that cody was going to get a feud with qt when no one wanted a qt push at that time i think really kind of turned a lot of people against it and once it, it happened on like a couple of shows then it becomes the the, you know, the the in thing to do and it just builds on itself and cody like we said i don't think he he had the way out he didn't want to be a heel but he was reaping what he sowed they both were I, i'm so glad when you mentioned the attitude era at the beginning of that um you know that take because there is this thought process oh it was all shades of gray in the attitude era no it wasn't no not at really. all really Maybe for a brief time, but then the company figured it out and basically turned wrestling upside down, right? I mean, how many of those, like, stupid puff pieces that would be in, like, People or Rolling Stone would you read in 1998 or 99? It's like, wrestling now is crazy. It, it, the stuff the bad guys <laughs> used to do gets you cheered, where the stuff that used to make you a good guy gets you booed, right? You yeah. would read that obnoxious. But that was what it was. They figured it out. Steve Austin, there was no shades of gray by the middle of 1998, folks. It was very clear he was the number one babyface. And yes, 
he did once wheel Vince McMahon out to the ring and put a gun to his head and said, give me a hell yeah if you want to see me blow his <laughs> brains out. And that is a really terrible thing to probably do on national television. But he was cheered very loudly and the people knew that he was going to be cheered very loudly for that. And, that and, he, was, and he was doing it against the biggest heel in the history of the company. Yes. Does that say something about the United States of America in 1998? It probably does. <laughs> but who am I to judge? Okay. I, I, is, I, 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 I agree. I, I, by the way, do you, do you hate the Vincent Mann speech that the company tries to push? The, the December 97 good guys and bad guys speech that he does? I hate that so much. Oh, that it's irrelevant? No, it's not. Like, again, it's not irrelevant. It's just that there was part of that speech that was actually very true and prescient where – People want, you know, that's actually been a big problem I with WWE for the last 20 years and why they don't know how to book a baby face because mm-hmm. Austin and Rock changed the rules and then they just tried to pretend that those rules were never changed.